you. Amen? Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start. I'm okay now with that song. Can go. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. As we conclude our series on strong disciples, I say conclude, but really, you know, we can never finish this, so we're just really putting a stop to it for now. But everything we do within the year is about making you stronger. You know that. It's about making us stronger, making our faith stronger, making our decision to follow Christ much more resolute. Make it, it's, it's everything we do in the year is about that, really. But as we conclude this part of the series, you know, let us just recap a little bit and, and the things that we have learned. Okay? Strong di- disciples know who they follow. So it's about following strongly. Pastor Derek, you know Pastor Derek from Manchester, my pastor, he says, he likes to say like this, me, when I follow, I follow hard. That's what he says. When I follow, I follow hard. But it's true. I was saying about myself this morning, uh, I was talking to my wife and I was saying, you know what I just need? Because I want to get really fit this year, you know, like physically fit, you know, six pack restoration. I'm on revival mode. Amen. Hello. 40 with a six pack. That's awesome. Amen. Mm. <laughs> the jealous this side. <laughs> you can do it. Oh. <laughs> so I want to get really physically fit. So I was saying to my wife, the only way I can do that, I know myself. I'm a very good student. If you take me and put me in a class, I, I will pass every exam. I'm a very good student. I'm a very good follower. So I said, I want a class. I want a, uh, I'm not just going to get into the gym and just do it by myself. No, no, no. I'm going to use my strength. My strength is I want to find an instructor. Somebody who's running a class. You know? Because there I'm allowed to be competitive, right? I'm very competitive. So when I get in that gym class and, and not just, you know, I don't want the one-on-one thing. I want where there's 20 people all working out. Because then I can be competitive for a good cause. You know? Yes. If he does 20 push-ups, I need to push to 25. You know? I'm very competitive. But I'll come out of there eh? ripped and ready. <laughs> Follow Christ strongly. Are you with me? If you're going to be a good disciple, become good at following. You don't be one of those people that as soon as somebody opens their mouth to advise you, you're like, I know. Even if you know, put it in your pocket. You can use it later. Hello? You know, one of the hardest things in life sometimes is to sit and somebody tells you something that you already know. But you can also by that tell the character of the person you're dealing with. Because some people, you can never tell them anything if they know a little bit about it. I was laughing. I said, be careful. Because in church, and Debbie and I go to some leadership meetings quite a lot. And in leadership meetings, you don't know who you're talking to most of the times. You may start boasting about something and yet you're talking to the professor who wrote the paper you're talking about. It's true. So, so learning to, 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 to just listen to people. 
Sometimes as they begin to talk, they are talking about what you already know. But they actually might know more than you know. As soon as you say, I know, you've caught them. You will never know more than you know right now. So patience. Learning to be a good follower of Christ. And then Debbie told us about, you know, I'm just picking sound bites from what they were teaching. Okay? This is not everything. But it's all recorded. It's all recorded. It's on that Anchor app that we're using. You can listen to all the series. Okay? And Debbie talked about sheep. And she, she talked about, for me, the sound bite that stuck is the issue of my sheep hear my voice. And our sheep do not really depend a lot on their eyesight. They depend a lot on their ears. Hello? How a shepherd can, by using certain sounds, separate his sheep out from the rest. And what does that tell us? If we are going to be good disciples, we need to learn to hear what God is saying. Do what God is saying. And I remember I chipped in on that and I said, create reading plans. There is no way you're going to learn to hear God if you don't learn to study and read your Bible, first of all. Hello? God has spoken by His Word. The written Word of God. If we neglect the Word of God, studying it and reading it, those are two different things, right? If we neglect that, we will fail to be the sheep that hear his voice. Hello? So we're going to depend on the word of God. In other words, that's what that means. What the word says, we're going to be hearers and doers. That's sheep that hear what? The voice. Amen? I thought that was an awesome teaching. Amen? It was great. And then last week I, I touched, I can't remember what I was teaching you. Tell me. What was I teaching last week? Corporate prayer? Okay, some people were here. Amen? <laughs> some people were... <laughs> some people were there. They are pretending right now like they were not here. You were here. <laughs> I was talking about prayer. If we're going to be strong disciples, we're going to learn the idea of coming into this place of strength and learn the power of praying together. Amen? Discipleship is not an individualized thing per se, as we think. Jesus talks about his sheep collectively. Hello? So it's it's not really about you alone struggling with your prayer life or... Whether you're struggling with your prayer life or you're having the best prayer life in the world alone, you still have to be here. Because in the collective... We learn from one another, we lift up one another, we push one another to greater heights. Amen? And, and I was saying, a big fire is not because you brought your fire, you brought your fire, you brought your fire. A big fire is because we came together and the fire came. Then inevitably, when we are going out there, we are already on fire. Why? Because we were a part of a fire. If you try and pick one core, or those, those of you that do firewood, if you pick one out of there, 
it's already on fire because it was part of a fire. Amen? How to stay on fire is to learn to come together corporately. And I, I, cho- I singled out prayer, but I can talk about the same thing when it comes to reading the Word of God. I can talk about the same thing. But I singled out prayer because prayer is a good starting point to be together corporately. And you go further and further. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So today I want to finish by talking about a powerful witness. A witness. A witness. A powerful witness. A strong disciple is a powerful witness. Are you with me? If you like, you can sub, sub, substitute the word witness with the, with the word uh, a powerful representative of Christ. A strong disciple is a powerful representative. A good and accurate advert of what they represent. You know, the world today is full of lies. You sit on your TV, almost every advert you see is a lie. They are playing on your emotions, promising you things that can never be accomplished by an Oreo biscuit. You know? First you leak it. Then you don't care. You know, it's like it's going to give you all this. I used, to, I used to love watching that advert, and we used to laugh in our house. You know, the advert on, on of what? Clover. You know, when the man picks up the corn on cob, and he's crying, and the advert goes, we all love Clover. <laughs> I'm like, it, Clover cannot make you cry. <laughs> it's a lie. But they're always playing on our emotions and all the adverts. It's so exaggerated. Such that sometimes Christians were bought into this lie. And we think uh, exaggeration is what represents God best. No. We need powerful and true witnesses. People that represent God accurately. What that means is people that are moving the same way God moves. Hello? Because you see, as a church, we can buy into that advert culture. And what we can begin to do is to just highlight how good we are. Look at us. We are multicultural. Look at us, people of different colors in one place. Awesome. Join us. Look at us, we dress casual even. We can do everything, tight jeans and everything. Are you with me? Look at us, we don't stop anyone from coming the way they want to come to church, except if they came without clothes on. But we can do all the advertising. Look at us, join us. We have Tolly, he's an awesome keyboard player. Look, do you get what, what, what I'm trying to show you? Because it's happening a lot out there. It is, it, look at us. You know, we are great. We are awesome. But you know you are not that awesome. That's the truth. But by the grace of God. You know it. So we want powerful witnesses. And not buying too much into the advertising culture. Eh? Not just showing your good angles. 
true witnesses. I remember when we were listening to Rodney Howard Brown a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, when he was in, in Hull, and he, was, and he said something that I quite really, it, it really resonated with me when he said, when Samson in the Bible picked 200, is it 300 foxes from the field, foxes, and he tied their tails together and he set them on fire and sent them into his enemy's camp. They were not trained foxes. They were not smart, look at us, good foxes. They were just rough foxes that he sent. And he said, God wants you just like that. The same you who's so imperfect and your wife knows about it. It's true. You, you know that, right? If you're not married, you know, keep thinking you're perfect. But when you get married, you can't keep lying. The other person knows. They just decide to and put it in the pocket for the right time. <laughs> you know that awesome. But listen, listen. God wants you like that. And he's going to set you on fire. And he's going to use you mightily. Just as rough as you are. It's his job to change your life. If it's about you changing you, then you don't need God. But he's going to change your life. He's the one that's going to set you on fire. And he's the one that's going to clear the edges out and the rough places out and, and make every crooked place straight. Mm-hmm. Every dislocation is coming to a place. Everywhere where you're disjointed, battered by life, destroyed, in, he can handle you. I read another quote this, 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 this last, the other week. Somebody said it's like Instead of God being the potter and we being the clay, we are trying, most of us, to be the potter and God is the clay. We make God whatever we think God should be. Ha! Come down. Let God be the potter. He will have some time. He will crush you. He will make, but he will turn you into the vessel better than you think you are. Hallelujah. 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 So you're going to be a strong disciple. A powerful witness. That's what I'm aiming for. That this year, God, I want to be a strong disciple. Not just in prayer. Not just in knowing the word of God. And reciting scriptures. And understanding them. Not just in acting according to what the word of God expects me to act like. But I want to be a powerful witness in also representing you. A powerful disciple, a strong disciple in representing you accurately as you are. No exaggeration, but also no underrepresenting of God. Do you get that? Because as I talk about exaggeration, some of you are like, no, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just down to earth. This is me. I don't exaggerate. God is doing this thing. But some of us, therefore, end up under-representing God. Or not misrepresenting, but, but do you get what I'm trying to say when I use the word under-representing? I might not be using the right word. I, I mean, it, we, 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 we represent God this much. But actually, God is here. Are you with me? 
We don't give God the credit that is due Him. That's why we were talking about testimonies earlier on. God is moving in your life, but you don't want to give Him credit because you are cool. You're too cool to admit this is God. I want to be an accurate witness of my God. If he's powerful, I'm going to be powerful. If my God is weak, then I'm going to be weak. Choose. If he's a deliverer, then I'm going to be a deliverer of people. If he's a healer of people, I'm going to be a healer of people. If he blesses people, then I'm going to bless people. Are you with me? If my God is a loser, then I'm going to lose. But I know my God is victorious in every way. We went to see the Chinamasas yesterday, our friends. They've just had a baby boy. But you see, you don't think it's such a big miracle until you realize the mother that just gave birth is 40, 42 or 3. She's 44. She became pregnant. No, 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 no IVF naturally. She became pregnant. I mean, crying for a baby for quite a while. And God opened the door. Amazing testimony. You will hear it because they come here to preach. So I will not preempt it. They will tell you themselves one day. But it's an amazing testimony. Also, you think 45-year-olds are not giving birth. By God's grace, they are. A beautiful boy as well. Amen? Because if my God is a powerful God, I'm going to be a powerful God. Hello? I'm failing to move from sentence one. By the time you hear all these sentences, some of you will be jumping up and down. <laughs> you see, I was reading this story in the book of Job, chapter 36, 22. Don't turn there, I'll just tell you. The story in the book of Job, and, and, and there's a guy called Elihu. My favorite in the book of Job. There's, Job has got these friends. We all know the story of Job, right? He's suffering, he's in trouble, he loses everything. The devil is messing about with him, totally with God's knowledge, with God's permission. And, and Job is crying, he's, 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 he's gone from this, this, this rich guy, a nobleman, an aristocrat really, in his own right, rich in every way, to a guy within a short time sitting on a rubbish heap, covered in ash, boils all over, and he's crying. And he's saying, God has left me, God is unfair to me. Because he's done this to me. And his friends turn up. And they sit with him. Wonderful friends. It's awesome to have friends like that. That will sit with you. Except sometimes they shouldn't open their mouths. (laughs) 
You know, let me help you. If you're one of those that rushes, you know, when, when something has happened terribly, some, something bad has happened in a person's life, they're not looking for your words. They're just looking for your presence most of the time. You know, most of the times. Nowadays, they are, they are training people that take care of bereaved people. I know that. Just say, is it? Don't say much. A touch sometimes is enough. You see, human beings respond to something like this. Amazing. Job's friends, they were different. They started opening their mouths and they were giving long speeches and they were so wrong. Long and wrong. <laughs> it's a catastrophe, right? And they will say all sorts of things until this young man stood up. You should read this book. It's awesome. It's awesome. When the young man, Elihu, stands up and he says, I've waited because, uh, uh, you know, I am young. I was waiting for wisdom to speak. I thought wisdom rested in the number of years. But I have also known now that there is a spirit in a man. You know, he, he speaks and the way he, the words are... Oof. If you are artistic, read the book of John, of, of Job, sorry. It's awesome the way the words come in and out, in and out, and how these people are speaking. It's like, oh, these are wise people. You know? And then he talks. Then he reaches a place in chapter 36, 22. He says, I know also this, that God is exalted by his power. And that just made me stop. One day I'm reading it in my bed. I went, whoa. Ah. You know, when you've grown up, especially with the knowledge of God, those of us that have grown up in a Christian home and people said, God, 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 you kind of forget to, re- to think about what makes God, God. This is wisdom. It's a very simple one, but it's wisdom. Like, don't forget, Job. Don't forget. As you keep accusing God, don't forget what makes God God. He is exalted by his power. It's his power that makes him God. It's not just a concept of, oh, I am going to be God. His power makes him God. His power is what qualifies him. My God. And that, that just is, when you just come to that remembrance, you begin to realize, therefore, am I a good witness? A good representative of God? This God is not exalted by the number of his words. Amen. He's not exalted by, you know, clever arguments. That's not what makes God God. It's not because he can write the best poem. or the, you know, He's not exalted by any of that. He's, he's exalted by his power. It's his power that makes him God. Mm. So you can't keep convincing people about God without representing him right. His power must be seen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. You are preaching. Mm. I'm doing it, son. I'm doing it. <laughs> His power makes him God. So if I'm going to be a powerful witness of God or a true representative, his power must be seen. Because if you're serving a God that has no power, it is not this one Elihu is talking about. This one is, has been made God by his own power. It's because he holds everything 
by the word of his power. It's because he sends his word and it heals diseases. That's why he is God. It's because when he loves, he delivers. There is nothing impossible for him. That's why he is God. He's exalted by his power. You know, you, 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 you songwriters, you should write a song on this one. Hey, Jackie, I give you that one for free. He's exalted by his power. So if we're going to be good witnesses, we're going to represent as him as powerful as he is. Did you get what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make? Yeah. Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Powerful witness. A good disciple is a powerful witness. Acts chapter 8 verse verse 4. I'm going to read just one verse. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Amen. That story is a story of the church just like us. They heard the apostles talking about Jesus just like us. And the apostles invited them to be part of their group. And they believed the apostles. Just like we have believed the writings of the apostles. We are here because of the writings of the apostles. They're the ones that kept saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Receive him. Well, and because of that, the writings of the apostles, which is the Bible and the prophets, we have believed. So them... And us are just the same. The people that came in the book of Acts, they did not come because most of them had met Jesus face to face. They did not come because they had this supernatural superpower encounter with God. They believed the apostles. They're just like you. But the Bible says when they came, then they began to meet with the apostles, began to learn. They were like, tell us more about Jesus. Tell us, what did he say about the kingdom? What did he say about God? Tell us. And they were teaching them about the God and his power. And the apostles were not just teaching, but we know that they were representing the God who carries power. Because the same apostles demonstrated it. Amen. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. It was commotion. The people would come out from all over the village. You remember that in Acts chapter 5? And some would even, they couldn't fit in the room where the apostles were. So they would lay their sick on the the streets. It would be nice, isn't it? They would all fill the street there. And everybody would be thinking, is there a rugby match today? No, 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 no. They're just waiting for Carl to come out of church. (laughs) Because these people are not even waiting for Peter to touch them. They are waiting for his shadow. Yeah. In England, then you will struggle. <laughs> yeah? For the sun to come out so that cow's short shadow may touch you. Hey, it'd be awesome. But they were waiting for the shadow, for Peter's shadow. This is how awesome these guys represented God. Powerful witnesses, would you say? Powerful witnesses. They knew, when they looked at Peter, they knew his God is powerful. Let's see what they think about your God when they look at you. They say his God is, mm, I don't know. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. That's not your portion. When they look at you, they must say, His God is good. They must say, His God is powerful. They must say, His God provides. Are you with me? That means you are being a powerful witness of your God. So, I catch this story at the time when now the disciples, they have become so, they are representing God so well that their enemies are against them. Their enemies are saying, no, 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 we don't, this is too much. This is too much. The leaders of the nation decide we need to disband this group. So, persecution is released. And when they are persecuted, they begin to scatter. Into every town, every village. They are running away from persecution. Some of them are running away. If I say the term running away, it doesn't sound so great. Because they don't sound so bold. These are very bold people. They are bold. But the truth is, they are, you know, they are not given... If you are a tradesman and persecution comes in that place, you are not going to get a job. So they are moving. They are moving. Changing their place. Because... They can't have a livelihood in Jerusalem because they're being squeezed and pushed out of Jerusalem. Some of them, Paul is going house to house, dragging them. There's a movie, Apostle Paul. You should watch it. It gives you quite a good picture. It's quite a good movie, actually. Good reviews. And, and, and it pulls the people out of their house. Show me where the Christians are. So they, they would be running around the village and they'll be marking, you know, Bridgeport Avenue. Show me where the Christians are. They'll come on your gates there and they will put a cross, you know. And they will come, you know. Wayton Grove, number 15, they'll put a cross. Oh, I just revealed your address. It's okay. This is how <laughs> <laughs> uh, Are you with me? They put a cross. And then in the night they come. There's a cross. They open the gate. They drag you out. And they kill you. That was what was happening. Persecution. So they began to move. They began to move their families. They were scattering everywhere. But there is something awesome about these people. In verse 4 it says, They that were scattered abroad, wherever they went, they did not cower. They, they preached wherever they went. Powerful witnesses. I asked myself a question when I'm reading this line in the whole text. I read this line, I go, What makes people behave like this? Because usually, normally, once beaten, twice shy. Normally. Normally. If you get persecuted somewhere, you go somewhere and you, you now learn to protect your own interests. That's what you do. You go on a certain job and, and, and you're on a, in a workplace and nobody likes you and they really harass you and you, you, you pray, God give me another job. God gives you another job. Chances are you will behave a little bit different in the next job. You'll be more to yourself, careful of who you talk to. Eh? I'm not just going to reveal I'm a Christian to everyone. Uh, you will change your behavior. Not these people. Persecuted. Chased out of their own homes. But wherever they arrive. They are like witness. I'm a witness. Do, do you see their thinking? 
You see, life I've written here has a way. In the same way, just like these people, it has a way of scattering us. Some of us are here, but we were not born here. Something scattered us to hope. <laughs> yeah? yeah? I meet so many people, and they talk to me and say, So, Philip, where are you from originally? Because now they've learned their lesson. If they ask me where I'm from, I tell them I'm from Bohol. <laughs> like, ask again if you want to know where I'm from originally, man. Come on. There's a way of asking that. You know, so they go, oh, where are you from? And I mean originally. I'm like, yeah, I'm from Malawi. And they go, how did you end up in home? And you go, God scattered me to home. How did you end up in Leicester? Oh, I was born here. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you, you should ask people. It's okay. It's not a problem. Don't be offended. Huh? Can I speak on to, to, sorry, to you immigrants? Because you get really offended when people are asking you about that. Where are you from originally? And you go, no, why are you asking me? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> if you're from home, say you're from home. Huh? There's nothing wrong with it. Somebody saying, where, hey, where are you from? Uh, I can see some of you. <laughs> you just stepped into my therapy room. Let me deal with you. Get confident. Doesn't matter where you're from. God's gutted you to this place. Huh? God scattered you. Okay, so these people were being scattered because they were losing jobs or they were being killed or they were, and they were scattered. You would think they have no right to be in Samaria. But when they arrived in Samaria, they decided, I'm a witness. So one of them is Philip. That story continues. In the book of Acts. You know? Philip scattered with the rest of them. The Bible says he preached Christ in Samaria. Healed the sick. Kicked out demons. And the Bible says many people rejoiced in the city because of Philip's ministry. When the scattered become witnesses. Life has a way of scattering you. Some of you, it's not, it's not about moving from country to country. It's, 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 you were sat at home. If you're like me, eh? you were sat at home. You could pretty much do with just sitting at home. Every day, 24-7. How many can do that? Wow. You're lying, most of you. <laughs> I know only my wife cannot do that. <laughs> Me, I can sit at home 24-7 if I could. Yeah, if I could, yeah, I could sit at home 24-7. I'm a home person. You know, I'll, you know, I'll be happy. I'll be, I'll be so, I'll be fine. But you see, life has a way of scattering you from your house to your workplace. <laughs> to go meet some people who don't believe what you believe but because of life, you've got to meet them. To go sit with some people, some of them, you're working with them. They, you know, they will swear at you from left, right, and center. And you'll be like, but me, my parents never even spoke to me like this. Yeah, it's life. It has scattered you into a place. Sometimes it's in a place where nobody appreciates you. 
into a school where you're so, so shocked of what's going on. It was always nice to watch Asante the first time he went to secondary school. Just, just, just watch him and just see what's going on. Because he's like, he's amazed. <laughs> he's amazed at what's going on. He's like, what? The teachers do not, they do not do like the teachers used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It doesn't matter how, what, how you say it or something. Still you, I'm going to wake you up in the morning and I'm going to drop you right there. Because that's where life has scattered you now. You are in that school. You're going to figure it out. Hello? Hi. Are you with me? They were scattered. But I want to learn from as we have been scattered by life in different directions, what made them powerful witnesses, more powerful than we are? And I've studied and I've looked and I've cut my story short so I can finish. It's this thing. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. It's this attitude they had, these Christians. So I'm going to skip and cut my story so I can finish. In Acts chapter 5, these people, when they were scattered by life, they were powerful wherever they went. How come when we're scattered to university, we're not as powerful in that campus? That's a good question. <laughs> How come when we're scattered to our workplace, we're not as powerful as these people. I was, we, we had an opportunity to be and I to meet a man that is part of the Evangelical Alliance, which we are part of. And we were asking him a question about our rights to witness at work. Most Christians believe they do not have a, they can't witness at work. They are forbidden. It's not true, you know. In the law, it is not true. There is certain things you can't do, and you've got to be wise about it. But nobody said you can never reach anybody for Christ at work. And so when he sat, and people are asking him questions, because I think a few of us were ministers, we were a bit like, oh, really? You know, and, and, he, and he started to explain. Don't worry, I'm working on something. I'm going to put it out there. Amen? I'm going to make, get you a pamphlet so you understand. We are scattered in all these places by God. Okay, let's just pretend for a moment that the reason you, you came from Italy is because God wanted you here. Let's, let's just pretend for a moment that the reason we, we, we are here, the reason that we were born in whole is because God wants us to reach whole. Hello? Nobody believes that? You know, so... so he has, he has decided that he wants you to be his true representative here. And in Acts chapter 5 verse 40, you realize the attitude they had that made them powerful witnesses wherever they were scattered. It says in verse 40, unto him... They agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So this is persecution. 
And the apostles departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Did you see their attitude? We've caught that story in the middle again. But it's the story of Peter, the apostle, and, and they were preaching and they get arrested. And when they get arrested, what happens? They take them, they flog them, and they tell them not to preach in this name again. Verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach. And they didn't stop. <laughs> I think you need to read it again. In verse 40, it says, when they had caught the apostles and they, they had beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 42, and daily in the temple. <coughs> Should I keep reading? So that, do you see what's happening? Yeah. These people, they had a certain attitude, which is in verse 41, where they did not fear suffering for Christ. And that's what I want to talk about and finish. Most of what is denying our gospel or our representing God in power to the people where we are is the fear of suffering. Most of us have come to a place where we now believe in a gospel that says, all suffering, all suffering means God is not involved. With your life. And so we fear. We fear to the point of fearing to suffer for Christ. So we love God. We've made a commitment to God. As long as things are tickety-boo. As long as nobody asks us. To sacrifice for him. As long as it is comfortable, God makes sense. And we follow him. But you see, our commitment to Christ is also a commitment to suffer for Christ. And this gospel is not being preached that often. I was reading a story by a man called uh, Mike, uh, Francis Chan. It's a book. And, and, and in his book, he writes of his shock when he turned up in China. And he found these Christians in China, in the underground church in China. And, and, and it's pretty recent. Okay, Michael, Francis Chan is still alive. He's still leading churches in America. He, he, you know, this is very recent. It's in the 21st century. He turns up in China. And so when, when he's in China, he says he met some Christians that are planting churches all over the place. And he began to wonder, what, what, what is really happening with you guys? Why, why do you do this? And he says uh, he, he was shocked at their passion. And uh, they had a testimony service, just like we did. And he says they started getting up one by one. They would give a testimony. Except every...
everyone who gave a testimony was talking about how they were either imprisoned, beaten, chased out of a village, almost killed, injured. And some of them, he says their testimony service, they were showing scars, like they were medals. Talking about, I went to preach somewhere, and look what they did. They beat me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I, he has counted me worthy to suffer for him. And he says, it, this, this broke him. He's, a, he's an American guy. He says, this broke him. Because he remembered back home and how the church is sitting in comfort and people are, are scared to share the word of God because they are scared to be rejected by someone. The idea of not suffering for Christ is not from God. Let me explain. He comes up to this thing. He says, then he went in the prayer room and he heard them praying. And this is one of the prayers. He quoted it. It says, they said, God, I want you to send me to the toughest place. Don't send me to the easy place. Send me to the toughest place so I can be worthy of suffering for you. That was their prayer meeting. Amazing. Suffering for Christ. Nobody is asking you to start chasing after suffering. But suffering for Christ must be included in your equation of following Christ. I will follow you no matter what. Whether men reject me, I will still follow you. I will speak about your goodness no matter what. Whether they say I'm a homophobe and I hate people, it does not matter. I will speak about your goodness. Whether they made my neighbors rise up against me, they might even be successful and get the city council to move me. But I will still speak about your goodness. Are you with me? Suffering for Christ. Since when was that removed from the gospel? You see, this gospel we preach is offensive to certain people. As soon as you say, I'm a Christian, they are offended. It doesn't matter how good you are. You can buy them ice cream even. They will still be offended. For a while, I complained a little bit. Like, you know, why is it that as soon as I say I'm a Christian, some people say, oh, therefore you are a homophobe. I don't really care anymore. Because I love people. (laughs) The person accusing me, perhaps I love people more than the person accusing me. Perhaps I sit down and I think about people more than them. I've given to people more than them. Usually that's the case. The guy that is saying, oh, because you're a Christian, therefore you are, you hate this. You pray for people more than him. He's never prayed for anybody. So don't, don't be scared to suffer for Christ. Are you with me? You don't be scared to be left around alone. And your friends don't want to hang with you because no, you're too much about your God. It is okay. Because part of our job is not just to tell people God loves them, to also remind them that God must be paid attention to. So your presence makes some people fearful, makes some people hate. You know when somebody, when you've promised something to somebody and you know you can't do it and then you see them? You know that feeling? Like, ah, why did I come to Tesco this time? (laughs) Some people feel like that when they see you. Newsflash. Just because you are a Bible-carrying Christian 
Just because they know you're going to say, I was in church. Some people feel like that. As soon as you show up, they feel like, ooh, hey, she's here. So it doesn't matter what you do, you can try to win them with your niceness. It will never work. You still have to tell them, listen, God loves you. Why do you tell me that? Because God loves you. Why else would I be telling you? There's only one answer to that, right? Why would you say that? Because God loves you. People in your workplace need to hear this sometimes. They say, good morning. I say, good morning. God loves you. They go, what did you say? I said, God loves you. <laughs> What's wrong now? You can put on your Nigerian even. Yeah? I said, God loves you. What, what, what is the problem? Huh? Good morning are not the only words for greeting. There's many other words you can use. Let's finish. Listen. Suffering. I must mention that one of the guys in Acts chapter 5 who was saying, Yes, we have been counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Let's go preach again. It's Peter. Peter. Before this, denied Christ three times because he was scared of suffering with Christ. Do you know what he said? Just like you and me. Hey, I need to finish this. But just like you and me. Do you know what he said? He said to Jesus, my Lord, me, wherever you go, I will go with you. I will die with you. His words were as beautiful as our songs. Do you know our songs are awesome, right? Yeah? yeah? Oh! <laughs> our songs are bold. Just like Peter's words. You could be fooled by his words. He said, I, I would die with you. And Jesus says, ah, 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 today, today, three times. You will say, no, you don't know me. I'm sure the disciples went, mm, why are you discouraging him now? The guy just vowed he would die with you, and you go today. You would deny. <laughs> it's not nice. Be nice. But listen, he meant what he said. I believe so. Just like we mean what we say when we lift up holy hands and we say, God, wherever you send me, I will go. Send me. We lift up holy hands and we say, God, this week, this week, oh, use me powerfully. Lead me and I will represent you. He meant it just like we mean it. But he couldn't because you just can't unless something happens to you. It's very hard to represent this God with such integrity without what happened to Peter. After denying Christ three times, he was guilty. He cried, which means he meant it. And he didn't mean to break what he had said. He cried and he cried. And he was dejected. That's why Jesus came and picked him up later and asked him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you? It's like, I still want you, Peter. Feed my sheep. Get up. 
Get up, stop crying. I know you denied me. But something is about to happen in 10 days from now that will make you a powerful witness. So it's okay. You have discovered you can't do it by yourself. But wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's where I want to end this. It is only the Holy Spirit that can turn you into this kind of powerful witness. It doesn't matter how many vows you make, you're going to break them without the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's where I want to end this. Let's finish this. If we're going to suffer for Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read that to you and we're going to pray. And then we're going to do communion. If we're going to be ready to say, Jesus, I will suffer whatever may come my way. And that's the kind of commitment really I'm looking for here. I believe that's the commitment Jesus is looking for. We can qualify what suffering for Christ is. You know? I'm sure you know we are not talking about suffering because you have committed your own troubles. That's your issues. But suffering for Christ. I want to dare some of you here. Dare to make such a commitment. I don't care whether I suffer. But Jesus, I'm going to speak about you. Just go past caring to suffer shame. Most of us, we are scared of suffering shame. Whereas the people that we talk about and we preach about, Peter we are talking about, died on a cross upside down. He was killed for what he believed. (coughs) The earth is coming to such a moment that we need to raise bold Christians again. Time for soft, soft Christianity is becoming over. Because people are directly challenging what you believe. You believe in marriage, there are people directly challenging that. You believe in in God creating man, male and female, there are people directly challenging that. They are right next to you. Some of them are your next door neighbors. Some of them you are working with them. They are directly challenging that. They are no longer hiding it. So it is time to raise bold Christians that are not scared to suffer rejection. That are not scared to suffer for the gospel. You see, we are back in those days where some of us will be banned from preaching again. But we will read the book of Acts and we will say, they never stopped, I won't stop. The only way to stop me is to kill me. You see, a man who's not, or a woman who's not scared of suffering can never be stopped. Because it doesn't matter what you do. Put Paul in prison. He writes half the New Testament. From prison, eh? What is stopping us is because we are scared of a little suffering. Because of what we've been. But they will reject me. But my family will reject me. But my, but my friends will reject me. But, my, but, but they won't give me the job. They will, they will, they will fire me, Pastor Phil. They will... We're scared of a little suffering. And that is hindering the power of God. I want to dare some of you to become bold. I say, okay, if I'm going to suffer, I'm going to suffer for Christ. Jesus, help me. But I'm going to stand and be a true witness. I refuse to say something that you didn't say. I will not tolerate it.
the apostles came up with this saying. They said, how can we fail to talk about what we have seen and what we have touched and what we have heard? Is that going to be you too? Let me read Mark 10, 23 to 31. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who, are, who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, There is no one who has left a house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, O lands, for my sake and for the gospel's sake, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the age to come also eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. So Jesus says, I will acknowledge all those that have left all these things. That's the kind of suffering we're talking about. If my gospel separates you from the comfort you would have had, Jesus says, I will make sure in this very age you will receive a hundredfold more. If my gospel makes you separated from the blessings that you thought you can have from life, you thought you were going to have a big business, but my gospel separates you from it. Jesus promised to say, in this very age, I will replace it a hundred times more. If my gospel makes you suffer lack of joy, I will make sure you have hundred times more joy because of my gospel. So he says, with persecution, you will be still replenished. But there will be persecution. Expect suffering. This gospel is offensive to some people. So I want us to take a moment. God help us. Holy Spirit deliver us from the fear of suffering, rejection, shame, lack or any loss for the sake of Christ. God help us. Holy Spirit deliver us. If you're there, I want you to just take a moment, bow your heads in the house of God. Just bow your heads. Take a moment and have an honest assessment. You have come to believe in Christ, perhaps. Perhaps you don't even believe in Christ. This could be a good time to give your life to Christ. To say, Jesus, I am yours and I want to be yours. I believe you are God. I believe